Hey, this is Jake Carraway, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What is up, pro lacrosse fans? It may have been a bye week in the PLL, but we still have a lot to talk about. We have an NLL Las Vegas announcement, which they have a pretty solid ownership group, if I don't say. We're going to talk a little bit about the expansion draft that's coming up in the NLL for the Panther City Lacrosse Club. And of course, we're going to preview the week three PLL matchups in Homewood. But first, let me toss it to my co-host, Adam. Adam, how are you doing today, man? What about all this news? Uh, Really, it was a really busy week, despite it being a bye week in the PLL. Yeah, absolutely. Pro lacrosse never sleeps. That's that should be the new slogan, right? <laughs> for for pro lacrosse, man. It, it was an awesome week. Lax Vegas is here. Really excited to kind of dive into what this announcement means for the league and, and what this means for pro lacrosse. Yeah, let's start with there. Obviously, we knew that Joe Sy was getting a team, which was pretty big news. You know, yeah. everyone kind of knew that Vegas was going to be probably the 15th team that was announced. We heard that about a month ago. I don't think anyone expected this ownership group, though, that was announced uh, officially on Monday, heard rumblings of it throughout the weekend, but Wayne Gretzky, the great one, Dustin Johnson, and Steve Nash are joining Joe Sy in this ownership group for the Las Vegas NLL team. I mean, I, you couldn't ask for a better ownership group. Um, a lot of visibility in multiple sports. You got basketball covered, pro hockey, pro golf, and of course, lacrosse. But man, what were your thoughts when you first found out that Gretzky was going to be one of the owners? I think, you know, uh, that took a lot of people by storm and that's no disservice to Steve Nash or Dustin Johnson, who are great in their own right as well. But um, I think the fact that a guy like Gretzky is, you know, you know, investing in pro lacrosse says a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's just great for the sport. As you said, it's going to bring eyes to the the box game that might not have been there before. Right. You saw it on NHL network. Your, your, uh, your full-time gig, right. You saw them dropping clips of Gretzky and Josiah throwing BT beers uh, before the press announcement yesterday. Right. That's the type of thing that will get more eyes on the sport. We'll, we'll get more visibility to it and it, it can't be a bad thing. Right. No, absolutely. And you need, people outside the cross community to care. Like yeah. once, you know, a guy like Gretzky gets involved, people are going to have to take notice whether they want to or not. And I think that's, you know, the important thing to think about with this. Um, and yeah, I would like to say that I had something to do with Gretzky right. appearing on NHL network. That's not the case at all. Um, but it was nice to see they ended the show with him. So I think that's, you know, again, it's, it shows like playoff hockey on right now. You end the show with a national lacrosse league little tidbit. It was only two minutes of, of fame, but you know, I think that just shows, again, how NLL is kind of permeating into the pro sports landscape. Um, and that's what you need for the sport to grow. Again, we always preach this, Adam. We need non-lacrosse fans to get invested in pro lacrosse for this to really grow. And I think we're seeing that, you know, both in the ownership group, um, you know, that Joe Sy brought in, as well as just seeing people covering it. You have Sportsnet in Canada covering it. Again, NHL Network's covering it. Um, the NHL threw out a tweet, like you're seeing Las Vegas Raiders welcome them in. It's, it's just all these, you know, other sports leagues that are really 
you know, boosting up the National Lacrosse League a little bit. Um, and I, I think that's important. You see a lot of that with the PLL as well. But um, yeah, yeah I, I thought that was great. What, what were your thoughts, too, from the, the press conference itself and uh, some of Joe Sy's thoughts and uh, Wayne Gretzky's thoughts on the game and, and what got him involved? Yeah, yeah. Before I get to that, you know, if only Steve Nash hadn't lost that game seven, maybe the, the boys at TNT and Charles Barkley might have been talking about uh, the this new Vegas franchise, right? Um, it was interesting to hear uh, Joe Side talk about how uh, he really got uh, interested in not only having one, but two NLL franchises. Now, you know, he talked about coming to Vegas uh, with his sons for, for a tournament right outside of Vegas in Henderson. And how, how there was a lacrosse community there already, and he wants to continue to build that. And obviously, you know, through through everything that Joe always says is he wants to grow the game. And this is an area where he thinks uh, not only can they bring in, you know, that tourist, uh, he talked about not wanting to just bring tourists to those games, but build a lacrosse community uh, in the greater Vegas area. Um, he wants to build it for and by the fans. So that was a, a cool statement uh, for Joe. And, and Wayne's obviously really excited bringing his future uh, son-in-law uh, into the mix. So we have two Hall of Famers, the number one golfer in the world, uh, and uh, a tech billionaire. So that's, that's like throwing um, uh, names into a hat and just pulling them out. It's kind of like a mad lib, right? Mm-hmm. No, and, and then I think the most encouraging thing, too, is we don't know the financial figures around it, but it was, you know, upwards of 10 million um, for this franchise. And it, again, not too long ago, I don't know exactly when, but I would say probably over five or six years ago, franchises were going for less than a million. So, you know, it just shows how these valuations of these franchises gone up. And it's only going to continue, you know, when the MLS was first starting, it was around the same as that. It was around 10 million, you know, 10 million is not that much in terms of if you're a billionaire like Joe Tsai, um, but it's a great investment. And I, I really think it, you know, Joe Tsai is probably doing the most for the lacrosse professional lacrosse community more than anybody. Um, you know, the fact that he's a PLL investor now has two NLL teams um, while owning the Brooklyn Nets as well. Um, you can just see that he's very invested in pro lacrosse. And when you have that kind of money, you know, at your disposal, it's probably an easy decision for a lacrosse fan like himself, but you know, he's doing wonders for this sport and we just love to see like it continue to grow. Um, and you know, if, if we see this continued upward trend of how these franchises are going, that's a pretty good investment for Mr. Gretzky and Mr. Cy um, in the long run. So we'll see, you know, how that ends up, but I'm really excited to see them hit the floor. Um, obviously we have to wait a little bit. It's going to be two years for them to, to finally start playing, but we're not going to have to wait much longer for Panther city and they have their expansion draft coming up. And we caught, talked to coach Kolesky a little bit, um, you know, about what, what he wanted from the, the type of players that he's going to draft, but um, this expansion draft is kind of wide open. You know, we got the protected list last week um, and there's some notable names that are left off. Now we don't really know the unrestricted free agent status of some of these players. And I think it's important to note that a lot of players signed deals last off season in the hopes that it would you know, affect this upcoming season. And I think the way it works is that those uh, players have to re-sign deals or if there was a two-year deal, now they're entering, you know, year two of their deal. So that's important to know that a lot of the, free agent status is kind of up in the air. So we're going to do our best to kind of pick some prospects that the Panther City Lacrosse Club could pick. But again, it's going to depend on whether these players want to sign with Panther City if they're free agents or not. Um, If they're not free agents, then Panther City, you know, has their rights. But if they are free agents, they can choose to either sign with Panther City or Panther City would get a compensatory pick um, for selecting them if they lose them in free agency. So important to know um, that's how things are going to work. And we don't completely know the free agent status of a lot of these players, but some notable names I, I thought Adam right off the bat, you know, that uh, are, are 
friend at uh, playing behind um, kind of pointed out was Brett Manny, captain, you know, with the Black Wolves for a long time. Now the Albany Firewolves, he was left off. Dan Coates, who Georgia traded for and was a captain, longtime captain with the Mammoth, he was left off. Dane Doby was left off. Cody Jamison was left off. Paul Dawson and Dan Dawson were both left off. Brody Merrill was left off. Curtis Corbiel was left off. All these captains um, that, you know, we've come to see with these teams for a long time um, were left off the protected rosters. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to be able to sign as free agents. Um, obviously, as a veteran, they have some preferential treatment where they can resign um, and kind of choose where they end up playing. But you could still see Panther City, again, decide to draft one of these guys and maybe – try to sign them or uh, at least get a compensatory pick out of it. Again, I don't think it's likely since they can only select one player from each team, but there are a few instances where it could be the case. Um, But what did you see from the rest of these protected rosters and maybe in terms of the rookies that kind of uh, didn't surprise you maybe, but uh, you know, there's just something important to note. Yeah. Out of the 16 first round picks, 13 of them were protected Four uh, were protected in the second round. So it's tough, right? These teams weren't even able to see these rookies, you know, maybe they took a flyer on a guy here or there. They weren't even able to, to see them put on uh, their Jersey, right? They were, they had to wait a full year and they, they might lose them. So these guys might've been drafted by one squad uh, and, and then picked up uh, and redrafted in this uh, expansion draft right away. So we'll get into a couple guys, but uh, one in particular, you know, like the top goalie prospect last year, Lane Krushka, um, he was not protected uh, by the Georgia Swarm. Uh, you know, if, if I'm Panther City Lacrosse, um, do I look at that um, Georgia Swarm roster? And, and is he my choice? It's basically like having a first round draft pick last year, right, for already. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what Panther City does in that situation. Yeah, no, and I think the free agency that's going to follow a little bit is going to be interesting to watch too because, you know, Panther City is going to build the basis of their roster in this expansion draft, but they'll also be able to sign some free agents as well um, and make some trades as well. So I think that's going to be the most exciting once they actually have their draft, seeing who who they move for other pieces or whatever. Again, it's kind of tough not knowing a lot of the free agents as, but um, the Firewolves, there's a player that I think stands out to me that hasn't actually played in the NLL yet, but is just killing it in the field game. And I think his skill set would do really, really well. Zach Goodrich. Um, so he was drafted by the Black Wolves. Um, now they are, are the Albany Firewolves. And I think just seeing what he's been able to do in the MLL, now the PLL, makes him a perfect candidate for Panther City to pick up. Now we don't know how committed is he committed to playing in the box, you know, in the box game. Is he committed to playing in the NLL? I don't know. But again, it, it, looking at this list, if you're going to, you know, pass on maybe Brett Manny because you think he's going to resign with Albany. Um, Zach Goodridge, I think, would be a great option for them to select. Yeah, definitely think that would be a good one. Another, you know, when we're looking at draft picks, I mentioned Charlie Kitchens out of Delaware uh, mm-hmm. is another guy that was drafted last year, went back to Udell for uh, the, the COVID season. Um, Bruiser, definitely think uh, he might be a fun pick if they're going uh, the younger route um, and maybe looking at some of the guys that were drafted uh, in last year's draft class. Absolutely. And then moving on to the Buffalo Bandits. Um, this one's kind of, you know, again, more of a, a toss up. Um, I, I thought what was interesting is, you know, maybe Frank Brown, who was drafted in 2019 by the Nighthawks and then ended up getting traded to the Bandits. Maybe you see a similar scenario with him. You know, maybe he gets drafted and traded back to the Bandits. Maybe he gets drafted and stays with Panther City. Um, he's somebody on my radar, but 
Um, I thought that was interesting that there's a, there's quite a few people like that's going to be a theme here, I guess, is there's quite yeah. a few people that were drafted in the expansion draft in 2019 and are once again up for grabs for these teams. Uh, Roughnecks is a little bit, you know, more kind of up in the air uh, again with, you know, Dane Doby is, you know, unprotected is Panther city going to select the former MVP. Um, they could, again, he's got that veteran status. So he kind of has his uh, more control over his, his situation. Yeah. Another guy I was kind of looking at just based on his stats, uh, Dan Taylor had a great 2019, 2020 season with 36 points. And that was after a 2018, 2019 season where he had 46 points. So I, I think he would be a good piece yeah. for Panther city to kind of add, you know, with, if Tracy Koleski is looking to add, um, you know, some offense here. Uh, from the roughneck. So uh, yeah. again, Dane Doby is up for grabs, but again, with these veteran statuses, it's not as simple as drafting this, you know, mega all-star team. Um, you still have to sign a lot of these guys as great as it would be to see a Panther city team made up with a lot of these captains. I don't think it's, it's that likely. <laughs> yeah. Panther city lacrosse captains, right? Change, change, <laughs> change the name. Give them a mascot. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mammoth uh, are another one where, you know, there, there's some players that, um, you know, and it's tough to, know what Tracy Koleski is looking for too, because there's some players that haven't really gotten that much NLL experience that have a ton of upside. Um, you know, I'm just looking at, you know, from our, our field game experience, some guys like Pat Islani and um, Bradley Voigt, you know, we saw Dylan Malloy make his debut with the Mammoths last year. Now are, are those guys going to get drafted by Panther city? The odds are, are probably, you know, slimmer, but um, you know, there's some upside to those guys, but a guy like Joey Caputo, I think is, is who stands out yep. to me on this Colorado mammoth team. He's been transition player of the year, two times already. Um, or if they're looking to go maybe younger route, Will Malcolm, the second round pick for the mammoth in 2019 would be another option. He's only 21 years old too. So obviously played pretty well for them in his first season with the mammoth, um, you know, had 11 points in that shortened season. So he's another guy that maybe, uh, Panther say looks to pick up. And that's, again, the other interesting thing is, are they going more of a veteran presence? I, I think, you know, it's going to be a combination of it, but you know, what, where they go for each team is going to be kind of up in the air. Um, but those are two guys that stand out to me. Um, I don't know. What, what did you think of the Georgia swarm now, Adam? I know that we've got two goalies left unprotected and Mike Poulin, um, Lane Hrushka and yeah. actually Kevin Orleman as well. So three goalies, um, so Swarmer just, you know, kind of leave them out there and, and seeing who they get back in previous expansion drafts. Pullen was also left unprotected and no team decided to pick him up because it was pretty obvious that he was going to resign with the Swarm. But uh, what are your thoughts again on the, the goalie situation in the Swarms unprotected? And do you see one of these goalies getting picked up by Panther City? Yeah, it was funny, you know, during draft coverage, it was pretty wild because Mike Poulin was the one, right, that announced the Lane Rushka pick during the draft. And we're like, man. The, the current starter is drafting his predecessor. And, you know, after whatever happens with this expansion draft uh, might not be the case, right? So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Poulin probably ends up staying um, with the Swarm, I think. Uh, they were pretty strategic how they uh, kind of built that protected roster. So um, other guys, you know, that are, are kind of still unprotected and you know, Miles Thompson, we haven't mentioned. You mentioned Dan Coates already. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what Panther City does when uh, selecting just one player from this roster. Um, obviously, they're looking the long haul. I've talked about Lane as the top goalie prospect coming out last year. Uh, that'd be a really good pickup for them because the opportunities to, to pick up some veterans maybe on other squads or in free agency, um, but definitely can't go wrong with him. Or, you know, a guy like Jordan Hall uh, as well, another awesome veteran presence would, would be a good addition to a new squad. 
you know, and Joel White's another guy that they left unprotected as, as well. So yeah, they, they have quite a group of unprotected where some teams it's more feast or famine, I guess, for some of these teams. And I, I think they're one of the teams where like you could see them going a bunch of different directions uh, with this Georgia swarm roster. So I, I think that was by design for the swarm. They wanted to, you know, give themselves options depending on who does leave them in expansion. And then moving on to the Thunderbirds, another team I think it's similar to the Swarm, where you have guys like Ryan Banesh, Stephen Keogh, and Cody Jamison all available, left unprotected. Again, veterans in this league. Um, the odds are more likely that they sign with Halifax than them getting drafted by Panther City. But um, those are also some some names that you know I was pretty shocked to see left unprotected. Again, not knowing the free agent status, it's kind of tough to to predict, but what were your kind of thoughts on the Thunderbirds or do you see maybe Panther city selecting anybody else from this roster? Yeah, I know. I keep hitting uh, home the, the, the rookies, the, the guys that haven't seen the floor yet, but their first round pick in 2020, 11th overall was Ethan Riggs. And, and he's, he's available currently. Uh, David Brock's another uh, good veteran uh, presence. So it'll be uh, really interesting to see how, how they go about um, building this roster between new uh, and, and veterans. Um, and, you know, Chris Bushy is also available as well, you know, um, so ton, tons of different options for this Halifax squad. But, man, I know we hit it home, but I would love to see a, 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 a stacked roster like Cody Jamison and, and all those guys uh, go into this roster. But it just depends on uh, on that free agency situation. Yeah, no, and, it, and again, it's just so tough to, to tell, um, given the fact that we don't know the status of free agents or whatever, and the fact, too, that, you know, Panther City can only select one player from each roster um, means, unfortunately, you know, if they do select a Stephen Keogh or Cody Jamison, we're not going to see them together again, you know. So ho- hopefully uh, those Syracuse grads stay together on the, the Thunderbirds. Um, you know, I, I want to see, I, I love what they were able to do in year one as the Thunderbirds. And I would just love to see that continue um, as their slogan says, they have some unfinished business. So I, I want to see them uh, continue together on the floor under coach Kersey. So um, again, I think that's unlikely, but is a possibility moving on to the riptide. They're another team um, with some notable names. I would say um, again, they did not have a lot going for them in that year one. So um, I think they were kind of content with kind of scrapping and seeing, you know, who comes back. Um, obviously Jeff Teat, addition of him is going to be huge for them. And he recently signed. Um, but, you know, again, Connor Kelly is a guy that was left unprotected in the 2019 expansion draft, got picked up by the riptide. Kieran McCarl is another guy. Um, Cody Radjewitz is another guy too, that I think could be on coach Koleski's radar. Um, so th- those are some of the names that I've noticed. Jay Thornbert was also a guy that was selected in expansion by the Nighthawks and is now with the riptide. So um, again, it, it's interesting to see some of their players that they drafted in the expansion draft, as well as some other ones that came over in free agency um, available that, you know, could be up for grabs again in expansion, but um, the riptide are another team that, there's a lot of different options, I think, for Coach Colesti kind of to look at. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with the Riptide expansion draft. And it's funny for to see, you know, the Riptide and Rochester Nighthawks kind of on the the other end of the expansion draft this year, too. And that brings us to your Philadelphia Wings, Adam. I'll let you kind of take it from here. But some other names on here, a few that came over in the free agency last year, as well as a few um, staples to this team for a while now are unprotected. Uh, what are your thoughts on Philadelphia wings, unprotected roster? Man, I have to say, you know, 
I lost the barrage, which is better for pro lacrosse, right? But man, if I lose Liam Burns on two Philadelphia teams in about a year, uh, that'll be pretty salty. But um, they have a couple interesting guys. Obviously, they brought in uh, a guy like Brock Sorensen, John Rannigan's available, um, Ian Lord. Uh, and then a guy that has been crushing it, it the PL fans will know, is Brian Costabile, right? He, he's uh, available currently. So I'm really interested to see uh, what the Wings do. And another guy like Corey Small is also available. So um, it'll be really interesting to see uh, who, who gets taken for, from this squad. You know, it, it's weird, too, just knowing that, like, last year's free agent wasn't a waste, but was just kind of – it came and went you know, with John Rannigan was a pretty big acquisition from them from the riptide in the off season. And now he's unprotected. Um, you know, again, I think they're kind of just counting on the majority of these guys coming back since they can only select one, but it is interesting that a lot of these free agent moves last year may be undone by this expansion draft. Again, that's kind of the theme with a lot of this. And moving on to another 2019 expansion team, the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, you know, they have another, you know, large group of players available. Um, most notably, Paul Dawson is available. Um, again, is he going to get selected again in an expansion draft? Um, you know, who knows? I, I think he has options again, too, as well, to whether he wants to resign with Rochester, um, which I think is more likely the case, or whether he'll go to Panther City. But um, we can't underestimate either the fact that, you know, Tracy Kolesky is a Hall of Famer, and the opportunity to play under Coach Kolesky might be something that these players don't want to pass up as well. I think that has something to be said. So, you know, whether these veterans do decide to sign, whether Coach Kolesky does decide to draft them or whatever, I think there's probably some discussions already going on right now that we're not aware of. Um, I don't think Coach Kolesky is blindly selecting some of these veterans, not knowing whether they're going to, you know, sign if there are unrestricted free agents. Um, so I, I think he's probably pretty well aware of the, their situation and it's probably already had some discussions with players on, you know, whether they want to come to Panther city or not. But I, I think that's something to, to watch for too, because he is a hall of famer first in as head coach, but obviously it would be a tremendous, um, opportunity for a lot of these people to play under him. Um, and I think one of the players that, you know, moving on to the San Diego seals that we really think, um, is likely to end up on this Panther city team is Zach Greer because he is living in Texas currently. Um, he kind of came out of retirement in the MLO to play for the Rattlers. His brother is an assistant with the Seals, so he spent some time there. Um, so again, there's that connection to maybe, you know, why he would want to stay with the Seals. But I think more likely he, he might want to play for his, uh, you know, current home state of Texas. Um, and I, I think he's the most likely, uh, you know, player to get selected from San Diego Seals. Obviously you have guys like Casey Jackson, um, Brody Merrill available as well. So those would also be not too bad of picks, but I have a hard time seeing uh, Brody Merrill in uh, n- uh, in a jersey that's not San Diego Seals next year. But, you know, I guess that's a, another thing to preface is he is also available. But what are your thoughts on maybe Greer going to Panther City and kind of being the piece they build around? Yeah, I think that'd be a great fit for for a new squad. Bring in, you know, we, we mentioned the veteran presence needed uh, for a squad like this. And Tracy Golusky talked about he wants a hard-nosed squad. I don't think there's anyone that fits that bill better than a guy like Zach Greer. So uh, I think he'd be an awesome addition uh, to a new team. Yeah, and coming on the, you know, back end of his career as well. So um, probably looking to, you know, to, to kind of just leave on a high note um, with his legacy. And obviously we didn't see the two expansion franchises do too well in 2019. But, uh, you know, in the past you've seen, 
teams still have success despite being an expansion franchise. So um, I think that's going to be a storyline to watch for too. How competitive Panther city is in their first year as a franchise. Um, something we're definitely going to be w- watching out for. And then moving on to the Saskatchewan rush, another team with, you know, some veteran names that very surprised to see left off um, including goalie Evan Kirk, but they have Chris Corbiel, Evan Kirk and Jeff Shatler, I would say were the, the, the three biggest names available. Um, but you also have, you know, a guy like Jeremy Thompson available, um, Travis Cornwall, um, and then even uh, Matt Hosick. So, you know, it depends on which, where they're kind of looking to go as well, but give me some thoughts on the succession rush unprotected rosters and, and who you think Panther city might pick from them. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned those the the two studs in terms of Chris Corbeil and Jeff Shatler. I mean, if push comes to shove and, and the, there's not the free agency situation, it has to be one of those two guys, right? Building around a guy like Jeff Shatler would would be uh, a phenomenal uh, start uh, to a new franchise. So those are the two guys if if the situation uh, fits for the PCLC. You know, and obviously Evan Kirk. Uh, is another goalie that's available. So they're going to have their pick of goalies here. You know, maybe they go one of the goalies on the swarm. Uh, Maybe they go Evan Kirk on Saskatchewan. Definitely something we're going to monitor and you as a goalie are going to monitor as well. Um, And then the Toronto Rock, who will now be playing in Hamilton. I'll keep the Toronto Rock name. Um, They're another team that there's some big names. Dan Dawson, Adam Jones are two players that are available. We obviously saw Dan Dawson on the San Diego seals in their first year um, and, and made them very competitive. So does Panther city look to use him as a building block? Again, I know that's kind of the theme here is, you know, getting some veteran guys. And um, I, I think there's actually going to be more younger guys than we are probably discussing right now that we're just not sure, um, you know, what coach Kalusky thinking, but um, those are two guys that I could easily see. Yeah. I mean, Dawson was a huge part of that sales team, right? Year one of expansion. So uh, let's have them do it again. It would, it would make complete sense. But uh, again, you mentioned Adam Jones uh, would be uh, an instant uh, presence on the floor for uh, Panther city. So either of those guys, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, no. And then there's, you know, some other guys on this roster as well, like Reed Reinholdt, Jamison Dilks, Johnny Palace, that, um, you know, could get their names called Damon Edwards is another guy. So, so, the, you know, the rock also have a lot of guys unprotected that, um, you know, coach Koleski has some options when looking there. And then finally wrapping up with the Vancouver warriors. Um, one name that kind of sticks out to me here, I, they did a pretty good job, I think of protecting their big stars. Um, but I think Steve Fryer, who was picked up an expansion in the 2019 expansion draft by the Nighthawks ended up going to the warriors in the off season after Ryan Hartley kind of won that job. Um, could we see him again, sticking with the theme of, could we see some other guys that were drafted in expansion again? Is he starting caliber or is he going to be seen as more of a, a you know, stopgap goalie for this team? I don't know, but, um, he was the one that stood out to me on this Warriors team. Yep. Um, did you have any other thoughts on, on the Warriors? In my opinion, they did a pretty good job of being able to protect their guys, but what were your thoughts on? Yeah, I think, Breyer? I think Breyer would be a, certainly a good pick to kind of fill that hole in cage for, for the expansion franchise. And uh, it, w- it would definitely be a good pick for them. You know, and if not, you know, he'll probably still be trying to compete for that starting job on the Warriors too, um, which, you know, is still kind of up for grabs as well, but that's our thoughts kind of on the expansion draft. Again, it's kind of tough to, to judge, you know, can't really do a mock without knowing, you know, the status of a lot of these unrestricted free agents. Um, But those are kind of our thoughts. A lot of big names available. I think 
whoever Panther City is able to draft. Um, it's going to be a pretty solid squad. And they're doing it, too, as the only expansion franchise where, you know, the Riptide and Nighthawks did it together. The Seals and Wings did it together. So a little tougher for those, you know, four other expansion teams when coming into the league. A little bit easier for Panther City to kind of put together a squad. Now, I don't know if it's going to be Vegas Golden Knights-esque, but they might have an opportunity to be competitive right off the bat, um, just given these guys that are left off um, their protected roster lists. So those are our thoughts. Obviously, very NLL heavy to start the show. We're still going to go into the PLL. We still have an interview with Jake Carraway. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll toss to our interview with Jake Carraway, and he'll discuss his big weekend in week two of the PLL. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. So today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, we are joined by George Towns, all-time leader in goals and points, Torton Award finalist, and one of the newest members of Atlas Lacrosse Club, Jake Carraway. Jake had a big day last weekend, notching three goals to help the Atlas get their first dub of the season against the Redwoods. Jake, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you on. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bulls and how you guys are doing this season. Um, but we also want to talk a little bit about your time with the Hoyas. So let's go back before your pro career um, and touch on, you know, your final season with the Hoyas. Uh, I know you were an auto start in my daily fantasy lineup, um, but let's get into actual college season and actual games. Uh, how was it feeling after that, you know, shortened season in 2020 um, to come back in 2021 um, and make a run at a Big East title with the Hoyas again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's unbelievable feeling to be able to kind of get back there after obviously the COVID season, everyone, uh, you know, put short, everyone put on hold, everyone's like chilling at home during the whole pandemic. Um, so just the being the uncertainty of like, all right, are we going to be able to play again? Is this mm -hmm. going to be canceled again? Did I just waste an entire year? What in waste? I was able to get a master's out of it. But like, are we going to actually be able to play lacrosse or like, am I just a student right now? And then uh, getting that final word from Coach Warren, I think it was like first week of January, saying we were going to have a season. Um, and then obviously just having the success that we did throughout the spring, uh, it, it was really, really cool. And I couldn't be you know, more grateful for the opportunity that I, uh, that I had to go back. And, you know, talk about Coach Warren a little bit. I, I, from everything I hear from, from former Warriors, from, from opposing players, they love the guy, right? So talk <laughs> about playing for him. And he, he shows that emotion on the sideline, which we love. Yeah, I mean, I'm an emotional guy. I'm sure you guys have, have seen me on the field. Like, I like to get after it. I like to talk. I like to sell it. So being able to have a similar coach like like Coach Horn is uh, – it's it's a lot of fun. And, like, as I'm sure you guys have seen the clips of him, like, he's a maniac. Like, you, right, you see yeah. him running up and down the field. You see him tackling Coach Phipps after that, like, first <laughs> uh, Big East win. Like, there's a ton of passion from that guy. And, and that's what makes it so special to play for Coach Horn is, like – you know, he truly, truly cares about this thing and, and gives it 110% in everything he's doing. So uh, Coach Warren is, is the man, and, and I had a lot of fun playing under him. That's awesome. Uh, and kind of speaking of coaches, moving to the, the pro side of things, you got drafted by Coach Ruby Orr with the Atlas. This isn't the first time, right, your first go around with Coach Rubes. You played for him at St. Mary's, won that MIA championship your junior year. Talk about kind of getting drafted by the guy you've already played for. Yeah, look, I mean, I think the first time I met Coach Rubio might have been, I think it was seventh or eighth grade, and, and he was giving some lessons to one of my buddies, uh, actually, in our community, and they had mentioned some rumors that he was going to be the next St. Mary's head coach. I was like, oh, my God, I got to come out to these lessons <laughs> and, like, perform. I'm going to, like, this guy's going to be my high school coach or whatever. Um, so, yeah, having a history with Coach Rubio is is awesome, obviously. Um 
we had some success at St. Mary's junior year. We were able to win that MIAA championship. Um, and, and just being able to stay in touch with them even after that and, and kind of just checking in uh, here and there. And then finally coming full circle after this full collegiate career and, um, you know, being able to be back with Coach Rubes is, is an awesome thing. And, and I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. And you have the ring with you, don't you, from the high school? Stay right here. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Obviously, our listeners can't can't yeah, yeah. See, see that, but uh, the you video can. will show it. But uh, no, that's awesome. And yeah, we're really cool to see you back reunited with him on the Atlas. Talk about your thoughts getting drafted when you heard your name called, um, as well as this training camp and kind of preparing for the the season. Yeah, absolutely. So like we were, you know, prime time season at this point. So I, I really wasn't like looking too much into it. I, I kind of mm-hmm. just wanted to focus on Georgetown at the time and. And uh, but it was obviously in the back of my head. I, I knew I wanted to play in the PLL. I knew I wanted to be drafted. Um, so staying up draft night, um, it, we really had no clue. I had no idea what was going to happen. I really hadn't spoken to anyone in the PLL about it. So I was like, all right, like here we go. Let's just pick by pick. And then uh, the Alice comes up, and, and Coach Rube dropped my name, and I like I was so excited because I knew that this was the number one team I wanted to play for in the league. Um, because obviously Dan was there and then uh, coach Ruby was the coach. And then um, I, I think I really fit well with their style of play. And obviously they had a lot of off season moves. Um, so I knew it was a good opportunity to kind of squeeze in there with them. So when, when Rubes called my name, I was, I was really excited. And you mentioned uh, another one of your former teammates and that's now your current teammate in Dan Bucaro. He was taken uh, third overall after winning rookie of the year with the Denver outlaws last year. Talk about your excitement to see you back up with Dan. Yeah, look, I mean, like everyone knows it. Dan and I, we we've got a history together at Georgetown. Um, we had we had a lot of ex, uh, success together, and in, in, in our style of play, um, I think meshes really well. So Dan was, you know, one of the first people to text and, and congratulate, and we we're getting all excited. Our parents are texting back and forth. <laughs> Coach Warren Phipps, all the Georgetown crew is is freaking out. So being able to be back on the field with with Dan is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean we got a whole season ahead of us. So I'm excited to keep working with them and, and, you know, bring some of that meshing back. No, that's awesome. And you obviously, you guys had, unfortunately a rough week one, but you really bounced back um, as underdogs against a Redwood team that was undefeated at the time. You had a five point day, including a number of ridiculous goals. What was really clicking for you guys in week two compared to week one? I think, um, you know, it, it was kind of just taking a step back and taking all this pressure off of ourselves. Right. So like, everyone's, you know, talking about the Atlas throughout training camp being like, Oh, it's their bounce back season. You know, they've made all these moves. And and I think everyone was, was so uptight, like, Oh, we got to do all this. We're living up to all these standards. We got to do all this stuff. We're thinking too much on the field and we got bodied week one. So kind of our mentality going into week two was, you know, let's take a step back here and, and, and do what we're good at. Um, so offensive, it was being unselfish, you know, making the few extra passes and, and, and making the easy shots. And I think that's what we did on offensive all the way around. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing was just like, let's, let's just play loose. Let's play our game um, and let's have fun. One thing that coach Rubio said, he was like, week one, everyone's all stressed out. You know, it, no one was really having fun on the field against, uh, you know, the first game or whatever. And then we bounced back against the woods, everyone's smiling and laughing on the field, like rolling around. And I think that obviously comes with some sex success too, but like, you know how it flows all together. So um, I, I think that was the key for us week two. And then I think it is also moving forward. 
Great. Yeah, it was definitely a, a big dub for the boys. Now, kind of looking to, to this weekend, you know, you, you don't have any games this week, week before uh, a doubleheader in Baltimore. What does an off week for, for a pro look like? Uh, kind of what is there adjustment scouting going on during this time? Yeah, 100 percent. So I think, you know, it, it comes down to a lot of film, uh, you know, just watching what we did well, watching our upcoming teammates, stuff like that. Um, and then just and just getting the work that you need to get done. I personally um, I, I was beat up. Right. Like I was coming off yep. the college season and then like straight into training camp two days for a week yeah. and then two games back to back. So I'm I'm really excited about having this bye week so sure. early. So I could kind of stay off my feet a little bit, maybe just get some more, you know, uppers lifting in, uh, do some wall ball and shots and not such like aggressive movements, you know, during practice. And sure. games. So um, recovering, getting ready for the next double header coming up um, and then just working on, you know, what you need to get done individually. And then we'll have some film sessions coming up. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you have only two weeks under your belt as a pro, but Small sample size, but uh, how has it been making the adjustments to the pro game? Uh, what's been the biggest difference between college and pros? Speed. I like, so <clears throat> I never stepped on the first game. And I was like, holy crap. Like these guys are faster. They're bigger. They're stronger. Uh, it's definitely a big step going to the pros. Um, and another thing is obviously the rule changes, right? So like the field yeah. is much more condensed and shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shot clock, it feels a lot quicker. Um, so for me, honestly, like my style of play, I, I, I like it a lot better than the college game. Um, just because like, I, you know, my senior year, I had a decent amount of attention on me and, and was more, you know, trying to draw slides and having to fight my battles to get every single, you know, point or possession I needed. And now I, I can kind of float under the radar a little bit with some bigger names out there. <laughs> so it's nice to be like an off ball shooter and, and kind of get hide in that two, two point range and, and not have as much attention and, you know, kind of be able to to do your game. Cause I don't think the scout on me uh, is as important as it is on some other guys on the team. So I'm able to kind of float around the radar and, and get mine. Yeah. You were able to get yours and float around right with that two pointer. Uh, exactly. Weekend, right. Um, I guess, you know, going into uh, week three in Baltimore, we mentioned it's going to be a, a two game weekend for you guys. So what's the expectations you're, you're going up against two really awesome squads, the defending two time champs in the whips and then a good cannon squad. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said before, it's, it's, you know, we're going to watch our film, we're going to, you know, do our scouts, do what we need to do. But more importantly, like I also said, it, it, we need to just focus on ourselves, uh, you know, stay loose, stay confident, let's not get too uptight and overthink things, uh, and just go out and play our game. And then, you know, main, maintain some health over this, this next week leading in, right, two, two games back to back, that's a lot. It's hot, Baltimore, you know, I'm sure it's going to be humid. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to it. We've got a sellout crowd. Uh, it's not my hometown. I'm, I'm Annapolis, right? But I'm sure we'll have some overflow going into Baltimore and, and uh, see some fans out there. So it should be a really cool experience. And touch on that a little bit too, you know, kind of getting to play in front of hopefully um, some friends and family as well. Uh, obviously you weren't too far when you were down in Georgetown as well, but uh, you know, talk about that excitement for them kind of seeing your pro debut if they weren't able to make it to Gillette or Atlanta. Yeah, I'm super excited. My parents were able to see me in Boston, um, but I, I've got a whole boatload of friends coming up, I think, from Annapolis to go to Baltimore to, uh, to show out and, and see the first debut um, because Trouder's obviously there. we got a couple other mm-hmm. Annapolis guys, so we're, we're friends from home. So I think uh, a decent amount of our crew is going to go up and uh, be in the stands and, you know, maybe be a little obnoxious, but uh, some good cheering going on, a little banter. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, that kind of segues us into our five and five segment. So I'll start with the lacrosse questions. Again, these are more quick hitters, but uh, feel free to elaborate too as well. And the first one I have is, do you have any pregame routines? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty basic with my pregame routine. I, I, I like to stick to it, but it's like I, I'll just – I get in, I plug in my headphones. I don't like talking too much. Like a lot of guys like stay loose. I kind of dial in and get pretty serious. So I'll, I'll plug in some headphones, listen to music, rap, EDM. Uh, I always retape my stick right before a game. Then I like to go out and I do um, just like little buckets of balls or little groups of balls of like five to 10 in like four different spots around the field in front of the cage where I'm normally shooting from. Uh, just get loosened up with my shot, get a stick dialed in, and then uh, maybe a couple smelling salts, a little hit, and then I'm out <laughs> ready to go. All about those smelling salts. Uh, Absolutely. Number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be throughout your entire career. That's a good question. Honestly, I think uh, Maryland, I mean, that game against Q's was like the yeah. coolest atmosphere mm-hmm. I've ever been a part of. I, I think there's definitely some cooler stadiums I've probably played in. I mean, Bird Stadiums is obviously awesome. It's massive football stadium, but I'd say that game in general, that atmosphere was one of a kind. Like we had that whole side filled out, like you couldn't even hear on the field. It was a night game on TV, you know, playoff game not much better you can ask for than that so that was really cool awesome and then you mentioned you uh you tape your stick up before each game what is your current stick set up in terms of head shaft and stringing yeah so um using some ecd ecd lax shout out my boys Uh, i'm using the mirage 2 and then the ltx and then i'm using some white semi-hard mesh Awesome. I always love the ECD guys. I've uh, played in college with Mike and Greg, so oh, awesome. I'm right yeah, there cool. from them. So awesome. And then moving on, kind of more lighthearted. Uh, number four, who's your funniest teammate on the Atlas? That's a good question. Tenny's a character. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you got his mic'd up action. Uh, I love Tenny. He's the boy. He's super funny. He's, you know, he's got his banter, his chirping, kind of down to a T. So being around him is is always uplifting, and it kind of helps with that. You know playing loose and and having some fun out there. So shout out Joel. Awesome. And number five for the lacrosse questions. If they made a PLL video game, who would you say deserves to be on the cover? (sighs) That's a good question. I mean, like, I would say they're going to put Lyle on it if they were to Mm -hmm. do that, just because the the crossover, but uh, I mean, Rambo, the back-to-back he's MVP or whatever. um, And they're back-to-back championships. Mm -hmm. He's, He's kind of the up-and-comer right now. He's kind of the stud out there and uh, getting a lot of attention. So I'd probably go with Rambo, yeah. Awesome. I'll do the off-the-field questions. So, one, you're on the field a lot, obviously, during season. But when you're not, what are some activities you enjoy? I love golf. Uh, I like to I'm, – I'm a big water guy, right? So in Annapolis, we like getting out on the boat, hanging out with family, going to get some crabs, uh, hanging out with friends. Um but yeah, I mean, summertime, golfing and boating, those are my, that's the duo right there. Yes, yeah, that's, that's my go, ideal day. Yeah, can't go wrong in Annapolis ever. There's too many good things to be doing down there. Yeah, I'm going on vacation in a little bit too. And I'm looking forward to those crabs, uh, Maryland crabs. So I'm stopping, oh, yeah, I'm to see my family and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like it up here in Jersey. It's not the same. No, yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, number two, favorite athlete, uh, favorite non-lacrosse athlete to watch right now? I mean, like I've right now, like yeah. exactly this day was KD. Like that performance yeah. the other night was unbelievable. I mean, he said, I think he set some type of record in game that was like higher than Jordan, higher than Kobe for 
in game. I, I don't know what it was. Some crazy stat that had never been done before. That was that was super impressive. And he's a scorer, so you know, goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, number three, favorite vacation spot. Good question. Uh, our family loves Jamaica. Gone there a few times. Uh, we try and make a trip down for uh, you know Christmas or whenever we can. So I love going to Montego Bay and a grill. Uh, getting a little bit, a little bit of a vibe change for sure. Nice. So, uh, number four, we mentioned crabs already, so I'm curious if that's your answer. But favorite meal for the dine out, uh, take out, or cook at home? Yeah, I mean the Annapolitan in me is going to say uh, a big crab feast, yeah. but I think if I if I were to switch it up from that, my my go to meal is uh, I love sushi. Um, I, I love sushi a lot. Shout out Joss downtown Annapolis, and then I would say you can never go wrong with just a fat steak. So good stuff. Steak's got to be one of our more popular answers as yeah, well. Yeah, I would assume. So. I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little diverse here. Change yep. it up. You know I know. I like I like the sushi. The sushi yeah, answer. Don't want to be too mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, love that, it. That that and chicken parm. I think steak and chicken parm are the yeah. The, chicken parm's the, like people love the chicken parm. Like I'm not. I I like it. Like it's it's a great meal. But I would. I don't even have that in my top five. No, no. I, I, I I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> it, it depends too, though. I I guess because you know I'm not Italian. So if I was growing up and I was eating chicken parm, like from a authentic Italian, maybe my answer would be different. But I agree. It's yeah. like it gets a lot of popularity, but I, I don't see the hype. I mean, I don't know. I'm also, you, you can do better. Guy, we can do better. <laughs> and then uh number five uh any books podcasts tv shows or, or movies any anything you're taking in right now that you'd recommend to our listeners yeah that's a good one i uh one of my favorite podcasts right now is the all-in podcast by uh, chamath and a couple other these tech guys david Sachs out there in the bay area uh they just i don't know they talk a lot about like business startups sure. uh current events stuff like that it's kind of boring but you know i'm going to be a finance guy too. So I got to yeah. say that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good, good answer. Good I'll have stuff. to check that one out. I, I'm listening to one, uh, my first million or my first billion, sorry. Um, I don't know if you checked that one out. They kind of, that one's fun because it's more like the tech startup conversation, but they, they pretty much just take a bunch of ideas that they're like, I don't have the time or money to like make this a business, but this is a good idea or whatever. And it's kind of just yeah. bouncing ideas. So I don't know if you've listened to that cool. one. I'll check it out. That's a good one. Yeah. My first billion, I, I believe um, it's either million or billion, but um, those two guys are pretty good. Um, but that wraps up our five and five. We like to end on one final question. And since you are a pro, um, we like to ask, what do you have, what advice do you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Yeah, that's good. I, uh, I think it just comes down to consistency, right? So I, my biggest thing growing up was consistency. I would go out, you know, every day with my dad and, and shoot the hundred round of balls and then rip the wall ball. Uh, you know, watch film, watch older guys, try and copy their moves, get out in your backyard and, and just mimic exactly what they do and then just stay consistent. Um, lacrosse is a sport. You can't just show up two weeks before tryouts and, and shoot and, and practice and think you're going to make a team or think you're going to make the best team. I think, uh, you know, stay consistent all year round with, with the program and, uh, and just keep working at it. No, I love that. That's some, some great advice. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Jake. Best of luck this upcoming weekend in Baltimore, and we look forward to seeing you guys perform the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, welcome back. We appreciate Jake coming on the show. We enjoyed talking with him. Um, you know, the Atlas actually opened up this weekend, Friday night, with a game against the Whipsnakes. So let's start off with that, Adam. Um, obviously, the whole Maryland-Hopkins vibe was alive and well in 2019, 
a little bit different of rosters. There's still some influences, obviously, on the whips, heavy Maryland still. Um, a little bit less Hopkins on the Atlas now, but you still have a little bit of that there, um, you know, with Joel Tinney, Crowley, um, as well as Tucker Durkin as well. So you still have some Hopkins guys on that Atlas team. But uh, what are your thoughts on this 8 p.m. Friday night matchup between the whips and Atlas? Uh, what are you looking um, and are you betting against the whips, I guess, is the real question. Yeah, as I've said before, you can't bet against the whips at this point. I take them against the Atlas. I think it'll be a, a close com- competition. As Jake said, you know, one your week one was probably an anomaly for this Atlas squad who uh, was still trying to figure things out. But uh, as you saw in week two, they, they were able to kind of piece things together, get connected. And I think it'll be a close one. Uh, you saw the whips go down to the wire last week. Um, and I think it'll be another close one, but, uh, can't bet against the whips. Yeah. I'm going to go with the whips as well. Um, I think there's going to be a true test for the Atlas. The Atlas actually have two games this weekend that are really going to test their metal. I would say, um, first in the whips and then, um, you know, having a game two days later against the cannons is not easy. So definitely a tough weekend for them. Um, but so that's, that's why I, I like the whips in this opening night matchup. I just think they're too good. Um, I think, you know, we saw them bleed a little bit from the cannons game, um, showed that they're human, but I still don't think I can bet against coach Stagnini's squad. Their system is just run to perfection. Um, and I think I'm going to need to see a little bit more of a sample size from the Alice before I can take them against the defending champs. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go whip sinks as well. Um, and then moving on to Saturday games, uh, we mentioned Hopkins influence on this Atlas team. We got a Hopkins guy in Kyle Harrison who is retiring after this season. This is his last game at Homewood. So I think the Redwoods are going to get up for this game, but um, they're playing, taking a chaos team that is probably really hungry for a win after going 0-3 to start the first two weeks. So what are you seeing from this game? Uh, do you see the Redwoods bouncing back or the chaos bouncing back? Yeah, I think it's going to be the Woods. I don't, I don't think Kyle loses his last game uh, on Homewood field. Uh, I think it'll be a good one, but I, and you mentioned the chaos bouncing back that they haven't been back at all this season. Right. So they can't, there's nothing, <laughs> there's not much to bounce back from, right. With, with those first two losses. I mean, you saw them come out last week against the archers uh, and they look like a different squad, but they just weren't able to, to put it together. So um, unless blaze has another 20 plus save game, uh, I think this Redwoods offense too potent. They had a down week last week against uh, uh, an Atlas squad that, that bounced back. But uh, I think the Woods take this one in Kyle's last game at Homewood. Yeah, no, I think when I looked at the schedule, looking ahead to this game, I thought, oh, this might be a trap game for the Redwoods, you know, when they were starting out 2-0. and um, Turns out the Atlas game was a trap game for them. So I think actually them losing last week is going to give them a little bit more fire going into this one. I still wouldn't count out the chaos. I think it's going to be close. These teams have shown to play very close games, um, both in their first two seasons. So that's where I, I think... Um, you know, I, I give the chaos a chance and we don't know the lines yet for the, the weekend, but, um, I, you know, if the chaos are two and a half or three and a half point underdogs, I might like the chaos to cover that, but do I think they're going to win now? I think the Redwoods are going to win. Um, you know, again, I think they're, they're too good. Um, and the chaos defense has shown me just too little to give me faith that they're going to be able to stop this high powered offense. Um, and we had a little bit of, uh, some, some crafty moves from Nat St. Laurent last week that we weren't even able to touch on, but, Kyle Thornton, the chaos draft pick out of uh, Notre Dame. He played at Penn for four seasons before then too. Um, Didn't suit up for the first three games for the chaos, which allows any team to select him off essentially their restricted roster. So that's what coach Nat did. He added another Notre Dame grad to this defense. Um, 
So I, I can't imagine Coach Towers is too happy. I had suggested in our last podcast that he should give Kyle Thornton a go. Um, so kind of a crafty move again by Nat St. Laurent by picking him up. Um, I wonder if we'll see any more of that throughout the season where you see some guys that have a lot of upside that haven't dressed in three games and have been on a team's restricted roster get picked up. And I like the league does that too, because it allows um, these players an opportunity to play. They don't just have to sit on a restricted roster. Um, you know, they can get an opportunity if they're not getting on their current squad, but yeah, bottom line, I'm going Redwoods as well in this game until I see more from the chaos. I just can't pick them. And then later that night we have the water dogs versus the archers, the water dogs, Went 2-0 last weekend, uh, but the Archers are 2-0 overall in the season. Um, this game, I think, is probably my most intriguing matchup. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Adam? Uh, who do you like in this game? Yeah, I'm really excited to see this one in prime time on NBC Sports. Um, uh, you know, it's going to be a good one. We saw uh, the Archers come out hot at during the second half and really pull away from that chaos squad. And uh, we saw the Dogs have a big 2-0 week last week. So this is one of my – this is the matchup I'm most excited about. Uh, you know, week one, uh, the Water Dogs did not have it together. So uh, week three, which team is it, right? Is it the squad that came out firing in week two? Or is it that uh, week one squad that didn't really have – uh, kind of an image on offense, right? They, I think it's more uh, what they did last week. So, um, but at the moment, just like I can't pick against the whips, I don't think I can go uh, against the Archer squad. I think uh, between them and the whips, they're one, two in the league. And uh, I'm not going to pick against either of those guys. You know, I think logic would point me in the direction of the Archers, but I have a, a weird gut feeling that the Water Dogs are really going to get up for this game. Um, again, I didn't see anything last week from them particularly that made me think, okay, this team's definitely a contender. Like, you know, week one was a fluke. I still think they have a lot of things to work out. They beat a down chaos and a down Chrome team that are both winless. So um, I think it was the right two games for them to get some momentum. I just feel like they're going to come up against this Archers team um, big. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with, I think Jake Weathers is going to do really well at the face-off. And I think they're going to win the ground ball battles with Zach Courier and Rylan Reese as their wing play. Um, you know, I, th- I think this offense started to click a little bit. There's still some possessions where, okay, they need to kind of get it together, but they've shown they can score. If you're going to throw man-to-man defense at them, if you're going to throw zone, if you're going to slide early, if you're going to not slide at all, like they've shown that they can score in a variety of different ways. Now I'm still going to have to see more from them, especially, you know, in transition game and the defense is going to need to gel a little bit more. I think they were starting to get it pieced together the last week, but I like the water dogs in this game going upset alert um, on the archers. I think the water dogs get it done Saturday night against the archers. And I think they're going to win. No, I definitely could see that happening. I think it's going to be the best game uh, of the weekend. And uh, again, if it was a different squad, maybe I'd say different, but I think the archers are, uh, the one of the two best teams in the league. So I just can't bet against them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough for me to pick against them too, but I, I just have this weird feeling. I'm going with my gut on this one. There we go. Don't know if that's smart or not, but we'll find out. Moving on to the Sunday matchups. We have the Cans and the Atlas. Um, Cans one and two. So they have the worser record of the two teams, but they probably played some tougher competition. Obviously took the whip snakes to overtime, which was big. They also covered the spread all three games if you're a sports better but what do you see from this game adam are you going cannons or atlas in this one i'm taking cannons in this one you know we saw in weeks one and two despite the loss last week if i say the whips uh, are the best team in the league 
uh, and the cannons took them to overtime. That means the cannons are, are up there. And as much as I think this Atlas team uh, is improved, I think the cannons uh, are in that maybe that second tier currently uh, in, after uh, the whips and archers. So I'm going cannons. I think uh, Nick Morocco has a big game and obviously don't ever bet against Lyle. So, yeah, no, I really like what I've seen from the cannons. Um, and I think the Atlas coming off of short rest is going to be, you know, tough for them. Again, weird gut feeling here, though. Going back to the face-off stripe, again, I, I, I would argue that the Cannons are probably the weaker at the stripe, although Drew Simino did do really well against Joe Nardella the, following, the past week. But I feel like I'm feeling a big day out of Trevor Baptiste. Um, again, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me to see a Cannons team that's looked so good these past two weeks go one and three. But again, I had this weird feeling that the Atlas are going to, you know, come out firing. I, I picked the whips in that first game. I think they're going to be hungry for a victory. Obviously, I would love to see what happens in that Friday night matchup before picking this game. But that's not how we do this here, Adam. So, but I'm going with another gut feeling and I'm picking the Atlas to upset the cannons in this one. So we're differing two of our picks. And that brings us to the final matchup between the Chrome and the Whip Snakes. Whip Snakes on their second game of the weekend. Um, playing a Chrome team that's riddled with injuries. Uh, who do you like in this game, Adam? As much as I want to call it a Chrome back, I'm going to stay with the whips. I, I, I did it uh, with the first game of the week, uh, and I'm not betting against them until they lose a game. So whips in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go whips as well. Um, I, I like the Chrome their first two weeks uh, in terms of picking them, and I just haven't seen enough. Obviously, injuries, it's tough to pick them i think they're gonna actually be able to find their groove a little bit they're gonna be competitive they've been competitive actually in you know both their games but again it's the whip stakes they're the best of the best you know chrome could take them to overtime maybe potentially and i still think the whips are gonna pull out you know a victory or whatever um i just think they're they're that good of a team um and they're never rattled even when they are you know down they're always kind of they're, they've never been out of games honestly if you look at a, a lot of their games um, with the exception of maybe one or two in 2019, I think one against the archers, like the whips are never out of a game. They're always in it. Usually they're leading, but even when they are down, like they're right around there and they usually pull it out. Obviously haven't lost in, you know, 600 plus days. Um, so that, that's just another absurd stat. And I think their winning streak continues and I'm going with the whips as well, but that wraps up our game picks for the weekend. We'll see who does better. Um, so far we also make our picks against the spread with the rest of our staff. So be on the lookout for those, but, um, yeah, look, looking forward to, to Baltimore. I know Adam, you're trying to get to some of those games being on daddy duty might prevent you from making all of them, but you're, you're hopefully going to get to a few of those since it's in your backyard. Um, but, uh, any excitement over, you know, the atmosphere in Baltimore, what do you think the crowd's going to be like? Yeah, you know, there's never uh, a bad crowd at a Homewood sporting event. Uh, Baltimore was the first sold out uh, stop for the PLL. So I expect it to be uh, a huge crowd, as always, too many fans in Baltimore to, to not have an awesome turnout. And it's Kyle's last game, so I think that 5 o'clock game on Saturday, uh, people are certainly going to turn out for. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to the PLL returning. That bye week was tough for us. Uh, luckily, we had the NLL to fill the void, but I'm um, certainly looking forward to some more live lacrosse this upcoming weekend. That wraps up our podcast, our thoughts on the upcoming matchups, as well as our thoughts on the NLL announcement of Las Vegas and the expansion draft that's coming up as well. We'll have some uh, discussion on the expansion draft results once that takes place. Uh, but this wraps up another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We appreciate Jake Caraway coming on, and we always appreciate you guys tuning in each week to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk.